That's good morning. All right, let's get started. Uh, so, just go over last week. Last week we consider the formal principle of the Reformation, which is the scholar script, uh, scriptura uh, from the Reformation, and which uh, which means the Word of God alone. And so, and they also consider how this doctrine shaped the ministry of Martin Luther and uh, Ulrich um, Swingley. And we discussed how the Protestant Reformation was not an uh, attack on the church, uh, church unity, but uh, rather a, um, a, re- a recovery of only the, the only foundational principle by which the true and lasting church unity can be realized. And so this week, uh, we, so we turn to what has been called um, the material principle of the Reformation, which is the sola fidel, uh, justification by faith alone which is what uh, Pastor George will, will be uh, preaching uh, later on today. So we're not going to dwell in too much on the theology side of it. But we're going to talk about some of the history uh, related to, uh, to, uh, to, to this period of time. And so we will consider the life of uh, John Calvin. John Calvin, who was a pastor uh, who was immensely impacted uh, by the Reformation and was instrumental in uh, clarifying the doctrine of Protestantism. And secondly, we will uh, also consider a very different response to the Protestant Reformation at the Council of Trent, uh, where the Roman Catholic Church rejected and cursed the teaching of Protestants like uh, Ruther, Swingley, and Calvin on these issues of um, scripture and justification. All right, so let's get started. So first, the person behind the name John Calvin. So John Calvin was born in July of uh, 1509 in France uh, with a slightly different name, in fact. So he was born uh, with the name called Jean Covain, of a J-E-A-N-C-A-U-V-I-N. Uh, that's, that was his, uh, the name that he was born with. So we don't know when or why Calvin, uh, John Calvin changed his name. But we know that uh, name changing was actually a commonplace among humanists uh, at the, uh, of the 16th century. So John Calvin was raised in a uh, Roman Catholic family. And the local uh, uh, bishop, um, Paul, uh, Calvin's dad, uh, as the administrator uh, in the church uh, cathedral. And so the father, uh, in terms, wanted you know, John to, to become a priest uh, when he was young at first. So growing up, John Calvin was, uh, was actually shy and awkward, uh, as he described himself in, uh, in his commentary of Psalm. So if you read Calvin's work, uh, you will notice that he hardly ever write about himself. So Calvin was actually a very private person. Uh, he didn't provide much self-disclosure through his book. So sometimes he was actually very timid, but other times he could be very bashful. Uh, so at 12 years old, John Calvin began to study at the University of Paris. I uh, remember he was born in France. Uh, so even though at that time there was actually a law that has to, you know, that, that you have to be nine to uh, to even enter to the University of Paris. So there it is, Calvin at 12 years old studying law in at Paris. So this university is quite fascinating uh, because this college was tasked with evaluating the teaching of a radical, uh, heretical monk uh, over in Germany, and his name 
was Martin Luther. Right? So however, there was no indication that John Calvin was actually even paying attention to this uh, at the time when he was studying law in, in uh, the University of Paris. Because his interest at that time seems to be uh, in the humanity, and he planned to be a scholar. But God got hold of Calvin, as he writes in his prefix uh, of his uh, psalm commentary, that God has subdued his heart and remade it in a teachable frame. So in uh, 1527, John Calvin also developed a friendship with some individual who was uh, reform-minded. And so this contact kind of set the stage for Calvin's eventual switch to, um, to reform faith. And once again, Calvin was, uh, so once Calvin was converted, okay, he turned all his energy and all of his training toward theology. Uh, so however, at that time in France though, uh, uh, the Reformation has not made any progress. Uh, so the Roman Catholic Church uh, of the day was still very, very firmly uh, entrenched. And so the, the, the fact that John Calvin involved with individual though, okay, who through his, you know, who through the lecture and, and writing opposed to the Roman Catholic Church, so the heat was turned up on him. Uh, which uh, end up forcing him to leave France. Right? So now, Calvin, at first though, he wanted to, to go to Strasbourg. Right? By, by leaving France, he wanted to go to Strasbourg where, where the Reformation was actually very firmly established there. <clears throat> so there was a uh, university there and there was a church and also a person named Martin Boozer Okay, who was actually converted through listening to uh, Martin Luther in uh, 1518, uh, and Calvin wanted to go there and study under him. But instead, but instead, over the next three years, Calvin ended up living in various places outside of France, you know, study on his own and preaching and begin work uh, in his first edition of the Institute of Christian Religion at age 26. And also this book had become an instant bestseller. So by 1536, Calvin by then has disengaged himself completely from the Roman Catholic Church. And he also made plan to permanently leave France and go to Strasbourg. However, there were war broke, uh, broke out between Francis I and Charles uh, V. So Calvin decided to make a one-night detour to uh, Geneva, uh, uh, which eventually, you know, his goal is to get to Strasbourg. And Calvin, again, fully intended to marry, you know, just stay overnight at Geneva, but he was literally forced by his friend. He met up his friend, you know, his name was William Farrell, to, you know, so that he, he convinced him to stay at Geneva. So that one, that overnight stay turned into almost a two year stay at Geneva for, for John Calvin. But what is interesting about Geneva though, is this city where John Calvin did not want to go at all, ended up taking him out because of his uh, theolog theological conflict. And so Calvin, first pastoral stay, you know, didn't work out, you know, real, you know, real brightly for him. 
So he summoned, you know, he was actually summoned by the church council, and he was told that he had 48 hours to leave the city. So he finally got what he wanted, you know, which is to go to Strasbourg to begin with, right? So there, at Strasbourg, John Calvin began to preach to a, a group of uh, refugees congregation of about 500 Frenchmen uh, who were there at uh, the city of Strasbourg. There, so there, he started writing, you know, he began to write his first commentary and open up an academy at Strasbourg to teach theology. So meanwhile, back in Geneva, okay, where the city just left, Roman Catholic had descended upon the city, you know, during the absence of John Calvin, and the city was about to turn back to the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Catholic you know, uh, belief. So the church at Geneva decided to send a letter to Calvin begging him to come back. Uh, so John Calvin said, uh, however, he said that there is no place on earth I would rather not be than Geneva. But at that time, he sensed God's call in, on his life. And so John Calvin went back to Geneva. So there he ended up staying at Geneva and become uh, for the rest of his life and become his adopted city. So he was not only led the church there, but as one of the biographers of John Calvin that, that's, uh, that quoted, while he lived in Geneva, his heart was still toward France. Remember, when he was forced out of France, okay, he didn't want to leave, you know, but unfortunately, you know, the, you know, the, there was a lot, a lot of a lot of issues when he when he decided to uh, disengage from uh, from from the Catholic uh, Roman Catholic Church, and so uh, again, so so but yet he spent much of his time at Geneva, uh, much of his energy training pastor there. Uh, so they would come from you know, all this pastor would come from France, uh, studying at Geneva, which is get you know which get funded by the citizen of Geneva. Okay, and then they get to send back to France, right? And so over time, though, there was a network that started to, you know, uh, to build thousands of underground churches found by Calvin's work there at Geneva. And so by 1550, while in Geneva, John Calvin's began to send lots of missionaries all the way as far as the shore of Brazil. Uh, that was back in 1550. Uh, so John Calvin was, again, completely devoted to the work of the gospel. Uh, so during those years, John Calvin poured out his life to preaching and writing the commentary and various editions of the Institute of uh, Christian Religion. And so at the time, one of the, one of the biographies actually showed his study habit. And I, I quote here. He said, Calvin often only got four hours of sleep at night and skipped dinner to study theology. He often stayed up late mid uh, till midnight to study and ate hardly any supper in eagerness for his work. And each morning when he woke up, he would stay in bed for a few moments while he recalled to mind all that he had studied the previous day and mold it over, so to speak. Unquote. And so you see, Calvin uh, was was very devoted, and he was completely, completely devoted to uh, to, to the study of the theology at, 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 that, at that point of, of his life. And, and also, Calvin never sought a platform. 
okay, uh, throughout his ministry. He never saw fame uh, or money or accolade. He saw himself, though, uh, with a special calling to interpret the Bible. That was his calling. So John Calvin viewed all of his study and writing as devotion to the church, not to promote himself. So again, John Calvin's life was completely devoted to, to the gospel as he continued his, uh, his time in, in Geneva to, uh, to pour out his life into pastoral ministry. Uh, and he was a uh, small town pastor at Geneva. And uh, at the same time, in the city of Geneva, you know, start to rise up and, and really um, start to commit to, to the work of the gospel. And so under this, his leadership, Geneva became the center of, of Protestantism and also has sent out lots of lots of pastors throughout the rest of the Europe. And so Calvin, uh, just to sum it up, Calvin religion teaching uh, emphasized the sovereignty of the scripture and also the divine predestination, which is a doctrine holding that, that God choose those who will enter heaven based on his uh, omnipotence and grace. Okay, so that's the life of John Calvin, okay, that we, that, that, uh, that like that part of this lesson here. And for the rest of the class, uh, we're we going to briefly highlight, briefly highlight the impact of the, uh, what called the, the Council of Trent on the Protestant Reformation. And so we are going to consider the, the Council of Trent, which actually was prompted by the Protestant Reformation back in 1545. 1545. And so the city, uh, the, the Council of Trent actually was a very important movement uh, of the Catholic Counter-Reformation uh, counter as the Catholic Church first significant reply to the growing Protestant Reformation at that time. And so the, the primary purpose of this council was to con uh, condemn and refute you know, the, the belief of the Protestant such as the teaching of uh, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and, um, and also you know, uh, make, uh, make the set of belief uh, in Catholicism uh, even clearer. So as, uh, as Protestants endorse uh, justification by faith alone, uh, with Sola Fidel, apart from any, anything, including good work, and this position of the Catholic Church condemned, was condemned as heresy at that time, and even now. And so the, the Council of Trent, and, and, uh, the purpose of that council was to issue a decree saying that if anyone, this, this is, I quote it here, if anyone said that the justice received is not preserved and also increased before God through good works, but that the say were merely the, the fruit and sign of justification obtained, but not a cause of the increase thereof, let him be cursed and ex excommunicated by the Pope uh, or the Council of the Church. So that's some serious stuff there. So at, in addition, though, in addition, the Protestant re reformer, as you know, you know, also rejected the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the Protestant reformer rejected as part of the, this, this the biblical uh, canon. And this term Apocrypha 
is actually it's a collection of uh, you know ancient uh, Jewish writing, and it's a title given to uh, to this book, uh, which were written between the 300 and uh, and the 30 BC in the era between the Old and the New Testament, and uh, not forming to be part of the scripture, but. But many of this, this very doctrine unique to the uh, to the, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, such as the teaching of purgatory uh, 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 and uh, and prayer for the death and also salvation by work, are found in this book of 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 this book. Again, the Council of Trent you know, issued at the time a decree which damned anyone who rejected this book. Okay, so, so that, that's, that's another, uh, another of that objective of, of this council. And also the Protestant reformer claimed that the only source and the norm for the Christian faith was the Holy Scripture, uh, which is the Bible without the Apocrypha. All right, so as a response, this Council of Trent rejected the, the doctrine of the sola scriptura, which is the word of God alone. Right? And so the Council of Trent affirmed that there was only two sources of special revelation. Right? First is the Holy Scripture, which is audible, including in the Latin you know, Volga version, and the tradition of the church, uh, including the, a lot of the unwritten uh, tradition. So, in addition, under uh, Catholic teaching, an indulgence, which is a, 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 a remission of a temporal punishment due to sin, the guilt of which has been forgiven. But every sin, according to the Catholic teaching, must be purified either here on earth or after death in a stage called. Uh, 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 Purgatory. Uh, uh, I, I always trouble with that word. Yeah. Okay. So the selling, unfortunately, there was uh, at, at the at the period at the era of Martin Luther, though there was as uh, this selling of uh, indulgence, uh, which is again not part of the official Catholic teaching, but unfortunately through through the uh, uh, during the the era of Martin Luther, this practice was actually very common. And so Martin Luther was appalled, was very upset by the teaching of this, uh, this one uh, indulgent vendor. His name was uh, John Tosson, uh, 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 who said, as soon as the coin in the coffin ring, the soul from purgatory spring. So here, though, the, the, the Council of Trent called for a reform of this practice. Again, one of the uh, one of the goal of this council is to clarify the belief right, of, of of the Roman Catholic. But yet, although for the re they, they reform this practice, but yet they damn anyone who said that indulgence was useless, or that the church doesn't have any power to grant uh, indulgence. So there it is. Uh, so that's a little brief uh, uh, you know introduction on the the council of um, of um, of Trent. So what does it all mean to us today? All right? So well, as we speak to Roman Catholic you know, today, okay, 
we kind of need to keep in mind that uh, the way they view uh, Protestantism has been shaped by many centuries of, um, of misunderstanding and, and misguide. And so I think our goal is to, is to encourage them, encourage them to read the Bible for themselves. Right? And we should ask them uh, where the confidence of, for their salvation lies. Is it in the, in the sacrament or in Christ uh, alone, himself? And also, we should continue uh, to place our, uh, our confidence in the work of Christ and also the, uh, in, in God's word alone and, and nothing else.